0: as alaikum. May hey, the peace that only God can give be upon you Good evening, you are listening to Radio Islam And I'm your host, Tariq al Welcome Radio Islam family uh, If you are just joining us for the first time we welcome you, thanks for tuning in We are a live call and talk show Broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM And we are live streaming at www.wcev1450.com now, if you have not already done so, make sure that you are keeping up with us on social media by following and liking our, uh, so, our, our our Twitter and our Instagram and our Facebook. And we are all at Radio Islam USA. That is at Radio Islam USA. Now, if you have a comment or question that you would like to pose throughout the course of tonight's discussion, we would love to hear from you at 312-750-1178. That's 312-750-1178. What's the last thing I want to tell you? Oh, I want to remind you that you can get all of our previous shows uh, wherever you get your podcast. So if that's uh, Google Play, TuneIn, SoundCloud, or iTunes. And once again, you'll find us at Radio Islam USA. At Radio Islam USA. All right, Radio Islam family, before we get into tonight's uh, program, I have to give a big shout-out, a big thank you to my new family, at Masjid al Mutminoon in Memphis, Tennessee, who assaulted my waistline over the weekend with some delicious uh halal barbecue. Uh this brother um Mahaj, man. Yeah, I'm calling him out by name. Brother Mahaj. Uh he 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 did some fantastic work. I've never had a more delicious barbecue beef brisket. Uh, sandwich so it was it was wonderful Uh, if you are in the memphis uh, in in the the memphis area you need to make your way over uh, and, and see those brothers um all right so the greedy me is finished talking so tonight uh we have in studio uh with us we've got two uh we've got two guests with us in tonight and uh both are from iman inner city muslim action network which does uh as many of you know, just a lot of uh, great work, and been doing it for a long time—20 uh, years now, well, 20 plus years now. Um, so we have uh, Aron Siebert Yera; he is a staff attorney for Iman, and we have Mujahid Hamilton, and he is an instructor with Iman's uh, Green Reentry Program. And tonight, uh, we're going to be talking about some some efforts that iman is working on right now which uh which is the path to restoration um uh senate bill 3049 right. and uh and we, we're, go- we're just going to get into it because i'm sure that a lot of folks uh, who are listening might not be aware of it uh nor aware of uh some of the implications of it so um i don't why don't you go ahead and, and kind of set us up and let us know what is uh 3049 about okay
1: so for 3049 is dealing with the Murder and Violent Offender Against Youth Registry. This is legislation that was passed back in 2006. Uh, Illinois is one of only five states in the nation. It's Illinois, Indiana, Nebraska, Oklahoma, and Montana Mm -hmm. that even have violent offender registries. People may be more familiar with sexual offender registries. Violent offender registries were created partly because there were some people who said that violent offenders have a higher recidivism rate or likelihood to recommit, which is not true. Mm -hmm. It's actually four times higher for a sexual offender to recommit a crime than a violent offender. But based on, you, you, you get enough fervor behind people, they were able to pass this in five different states, which is what happened here in Illinois in 2006. 2006, when they passed it, essentially what they did is they just copied and pasted the sexual offender registry, swapped out sexual offender, put in a violent offender, passed it. 2000, and at that point, it was encapsulated underneath the sexual offender registry. 2012, they then created it, – it was its own registry then taken out of being underneath the sexual offender registry, which was good in a way, but it made it a lot more broad. Mm-hmm. That then allowed people to go online and just type someone's name in and look up this person. Before, before 2012, it was only police that had access to it. After 2012, when it became Andrea's Law, um, people could go on and you can find, see someone's picture, what they were convicted of. You can see their home address. You can see all kinds of information about the person. And uh, the basis is that, again, is to protect people in the community. Mm. The issue that we've seen, we've seen, and we've seen a lot of issues with the registry, and the reason we see them is, as you mentioned, with the Green Reentry Program, and I think it would be best for Majed when we get a second, he could talk a little bit about that program since he's involved with it, or if you want to talk a little bit about it now. He's, absolutely,
2: he's, absolutely. The Green Reentry Program? Yeah. <clears throat> well, I'm... Um, of the Green Rentry Program at uh, the City Muslim Action Network. Generally what we do now, the scope of our work consists of at-risk youth and uh, prior uh, uh, returning citizens. i had, I got to yes, make sir. sure I use the proper language yes. so not to be offensive. So, uh, and what we do is we try to put them on a the path to um, regular citizenship through uh, teaching them a trade, teach them behavioral health, and just give them an overall sense of of well-being and belonging Mm -hmm. once they come home from either prison or to bring them out of conditions that they've known their whole life. That's generally what we do with the Grand Reentry Program. Um, It's a holistic approach where uh, we got our behavioral health staff, uh, try to help them identify any problems they may have and and put them on a path to I guess fixing it, for lack of a better word, and then they um and then they got the case management would get, help them get uh, life goals, um, set plans for what they want to do with the rest of their life, even if it might not be none of the trades we teach. We try to put them on a path that'll help them achieve whatever goals they want to achieve. And lastly, the obvious is we we uh, got electricians, uh, HVAC technicians, and uh, licensed carpenters that come in and help. Uh, teach to trade those those particular crafts to the students, so they can have a a, a a path to creating something for themselves, a way of taking care of themselves. That's the green project, program, in a nutshell.
0: Okay, so w- what I'm hearing um, is kind of echoing uh, what Aron just mentioned in terms of um, being able to matriculate back into society. Um, and but what I'm what I'm not hearing is. Uh, and I'm sure we're going to get into this now, mm. is how this bill does exactly uh, the opposite of that, how it prevents people from uh, coming back into society, leaving what, leaving their past behind them. Uh, and instead, so there's a, there's a time limit on this now, right? Yes. Where it's a 10-year a, it's a um, access for the, that the public has to, to look and see whatever condition or
1: whatever the, uh, the individual was convicted of. Well, it depends on the crime that was committed and depends on the age of the victim. So if the victim was 18 or younger, Mm -hmm. and there's a whole list of of crimes, it's not just murder. It could be attempted murder, it could be assault, attempted assault, domestic violence is even included, domestic violence, kidnapping, attempted kidnapping, all of these various crimes, if that is committed against someone 18 or younger, the person is required to register for their natural born life. Really? Yes. Yes. It's ten years if it's murder and the, pr- the victim was over the age of eighteen. Okay,
0: so this sounds very much like the. Um, it sounds very much like the registry for sexual, um, for sexual uh, predators.
1: Uh, are we? You know,
0: what what what's the what's the difference here?
1: Well, as I said initially, it, w- it was incorporated in the sexual offender registry. It was part of that. Okay. And, again, the issue is that they're equating when the, the legislators down state, when they pass this, they equated sexual offenders with violent offenders and, and just kind of lumped them all together. These when you look at the states, what was that?
0: These are two different things, yeah. absolutely.
1: And when you look at Montana, you know, I was even just looking at their website today, they still include them together. They still have it as the sexual and violent offender registry. And theirs is still included uh, together, and they have 4,000 people on their registry. They're a state of only 1 million people. Mm -hmm. We have about a little over 5,000 on our sexual – on the the violent offender. On the sexual offender, we have, I think, over 25,000. Right. But on the violent offender, we have just over 5,000. And we're a state of over 12 million, almost 13. Um, The issues with this registry, when it was passed, it was just pretty much a copy and paste job from the sexual offender registry. Right. And within the law, there's no way – and that's – Brother Majahid here can, can definitely talk more about what he's faced. There's no way if, if you are – if it's, the victim is miscategorized as far as their age, because what you see with a lot of the older crimes is that there's not as much relevant case information. And the state's attorney's office is not required to put – when they send information over to the Department of State Police, within that they don't have to put the, the victim age or the date of birth of the victim. So the issue that local law enforcement have when they are then trying to figure out what the age was if it's if they don't have the information readily available, is they are just putting zero down, mm. which would then mean a baby. When it comes to categorizing what who the crime was against, and people are then being required to register for life, you have people who are being put on the registry who got out before got out of prison before '96. Essentially, it passed in 2006, but it went back 10 years as far as if you got out after 96, you then had to start registering. We have people there in, in the Green Reentry Program who got out before 96, yet are still included on, on the registry. Now, the issue is that there's nothing in the law that allows or states what the process is for somebody to get that information fixed. So, if someone like Brother Mujahid goes to local law enforcement, has mm-hmm. to register, and tells them, look, this information is incorrect, they pretty much just turn away and say, there's nothing we can do about it. Just go away. We want One of the three things we want to do with, with this bill is we want to allow, give someone the ability to petition the state's attorney's office where they were convicted and say, look, there's incorrect information. It needs to be fixed and would allow that process. That's just one of three pro, three steps here. But before I get into them, I, I, I think because we're talking about it, it would be good for, for Majah to, to share kind of what he's faced. Yeah, please. As far as the issues he's faced with the registry.
2: Well, there's a whole a whole host of things that I face um, with even trying to register. First, if if you don't mind, um, trying to register. Uh, you have to have adequate ID. right? And, it, and I say this because if you don't have adequate ID, you can, it's impossible for you to register within the 72-hour timeline they give you. Hmm. If you don't register within the 72-hour timeline, it's an automatic extension. What do you mean by extension? Extension, like if you had, like saying, I started off with, Three years, right? They automatically extended to ten because I didn't have the requisite, wasn't it? Then what happens after that is they're going through the going through my paperwork and they they got me listed as uh, violence against youth because no age at the time of the crime I was twenty three years old and my victim was forty one years old but they had me registered as the violence against youth, right? And so that changes from three to ten to natural life. I see, right? All in the space of all in the space of a week or two, just happened. Um, secondly, uh, you have to have money. Fresh out of prison, don't have no money. Give me a give you a waiver to say you give you so much time to come up with the money, but there's no connection between Chicago PD, state's attorney, and state police, so there's nobody communicate with each other. So as far as the state state police concerned, I violated. Right. Mm um sec- uh thirdly is that there's no way for me to challenge that I went from 310 to natural life all in the space of these two weeks because there's no means uh to redress it. Mm,
0: so there's c- no arbitration process. No. no
2: arbitration process whatsoever. So now it's already bad enough. It's already bad enough. I know this is going to sound bad, but it's already bad enough that I have to register and my whole my whole uh, family, wherever I'm staying at, that's made public just for the sake of being public. Right. Right. Uh, now you have a situation where I'm labeled as a child killer. Right. Right. Now I know murder is murder. Don't think I'm saying there's any uh, articulation between the two, but different articulation between the two. But you know what I mean? There, there's a stigma associated with doing something against women and children that sent people over the edge. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So now there's this constant fear of what somebody think about, you know what I'm saying, going to get them a baby killer, pull my name up, and there I'm listed there as a baby killer. Mm -hmm. Because they're not,
0: that's all you see is violent against youth. Right? So this is something, obviously, that's that's open to the public. But is this also something that you have to disclose if you are seeking employment? Uh, Is this one of those questions that's on on, uh, employment applications or that, potential employees would also be apt to look at.
2: Well, actually, it's illegal for them to ask you if you've been convicted now, right? So, but how they get around that is doing a background check. Hmm. Do a background check. You even got to do a hard one, Google. Right. Right? Yeah. And, and, it, and this has popped up. And, and, it's, and, and, it, and it's, it's important to understand this, right, um, especially in my situation. I got my uh, parole officer told me, you know what I'm saying, I'm eligible uh, for early release. Okay. But since I'm on a violence against youth registry, it's highly, it's not likely to happen.
0: Right.
2: But you know, but as I told in the beginning,
0: that's not even the circumstances surrounding my case. Are there any? Because I have, I have a, a very close friend of mine who did. Um, he did 15 years under the what do he called it. Um, not theory, but it, it's something about accountability. That's the same accountability. thing. I was locked up. Criminal yeah. So he did. Yeah, he did uh, 15 years uh, mm-hmm. on that. Uh, he did not have a play a physical role in uh, the, the crime that was that was committed, mm-hmm. um, but you know, yet still, you know, he was yeah, uh, sentenced to those fifteen years. Yeah. So, uh, seeing that, and I know that that's not an isolated incident. You saying that, you know, you had the same yeah. situation. Right. So, is that something that also is also going to be going to be brought up in addressing uh, this bill? I know you have three spe- uh, specific yeah. asks. Uh, but is that something that's going to be brought up to make this even more, you know, to make it where it's it's it's, it's there's some 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 fair some justice uh, within it.
1: Long range, that would be the goal. Yeah, so that now would that definitely is the goal. I mean, right. to get in, something like this is, is something that 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 this is a fix for now. Right. Right. Long range, it would be great to get rid of the registry because the word that from many people I've talked to. Who were around it was passed and i've talked to prosecutors former prosecutors current prosecutors i don't think i, I can think of a single one that i've talked to when i and this is when i've been down in springfield the last month who's in favor of a violent registry act who's in va- was in favor of this registry they just they don't see the point because they've worked long enough that they know that you do see when with sexual offenders you do see a high recidivism rate yeah but with sexual, with with the difference between sexual offenders and violent offenders is they themselves see it. They know it, it, that there's just really no reason to even have it. So inshallah, a long-range goal. Yeah, it'd be great to 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 not even have it around. But that in an election year, that that's a very hard push. Um, and the main thing we're trying to do is what we can do right now is really just trying to make it as fair and streamline the process as possible. Right. So. The first step would be allowing for that petition for just really kind of fixing the erroneous information. But the second one, and this is really based off of you know, working with brothers like Mujahid. We, we we have a lot of people at, at uh, Iman who are affected by this. When you see people and you work on a day-to-day basis with brothers like Mujahid, and you see they're like, it's like a giant teddy bear. Absolutely. He's the first person to give me a hug in the morning when I see him. Always got a smile on his face. Yeah. We call this the path of retribution because this system is really supposed to be set up more for rehabilitation. Yeah, it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be. Right. But it's more retribution. We mm-hmm. we look at how we are going. We are continually, even if someone has served their time, people are going to be held accountable. We think that, you know, some people think they should be for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And we don't allow that process really for people to start healing. And that's one of the things that even tomorrow, we have our power hours, our week of power hour tomorrow night, and we're going to be talking about that tomorrow is talking about that healing process. And it's a process that doesn't just occur from one side. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I lost an uncle of mine in Mexico a little over 10 years ago who who was a, a, a victim of, of violence. You know, he was killed by Mexican police. Yeah. And, you know, if anybody knows anything about the situation, first of all, nobody was ever caught. No one ever will be caught. But sure. there has to be a time when when... You heal from that and you move forward And that's not something that just happens From the victim's side Because we don't think about the fact That it's not human nature To take someone's life mm-hmm. And we don't think about The perspective of someone who is serving Time and what they go through on a day to day basis They're reminded every single day Of what they've done But we don't look at that We don't give them that That um, I mean in, in Islam you know, We don't give them any kind of mercy and think you know, maybe they're going through something, too. Yes, they committed a crime, mm-hmm. but what are they going through? What kind of, of mental trauma have they, have they gone through after committing this crime? What kind of mental trauma have they gone through before committing this crime that may have led to committing the crime?
0: And, and that leads me into, and, of course, this is long range, right, but that leads me into uh, risk assessments, um, you know, looking at what were the contributing factors uh, to uh, an individual being in a position that they were in. Uh, and, and then looking at where they are afterwards, especially for uh, for people who come out and they have support systems, uh, you know they they have gainful employment. They're getting trades, which is one of the things that I, I truly um, just appreciate about the program. Is because you all are, you're giving people uh, an ability to go out and contribute uh, to society, to take care of themselves. Um, but that only goes so far if the community response to them is being colored by. Uh, information that you know in in some cases, well I would say probably overall because we're not talking about uh sexual assault or, uh, or, or on children and things like that um, we're talking about we're talking about uh, a situation where people have already done years and years and years and have come out and how do you move forward how do you how do you reintegrate as exactly. a returning citizen exactly. under those conditions right. so um, I hope that risk assessment is a part of this. Uh, and, and in doing so, that probably will lead to the to, to them saying, well, we don't really need this.
1: Well, and, and that's part of So then that, that second part of what we're trying to do is allow a petition for early removal. Yeah. Because as I say, it's either 10 years or life. But if we have someone like Mujahid here, who, who's, when, when, we, when you see the work that he's doing and that the other brothers who are doing this program, what they're doing, if they're able to demonstrate, and, and we're kind of in between five and seven years, we're hoping for five years, but after five or seven years, we're still kind of between the, 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 the number. Um, as you know, when you, when you deal with some of this, there's always a negotiation process. Right. Uh, that after five or seven years, we're, we're hoping for five again, that if someone can demonstrate that for five years they've successfully registered, but not only that, they are, they are clearly someone who is in their community doing good work, working with, with young men, trying to show them a different way. And they're able to show, really, they're a pillar of their community for the work they're doing. We're saying, look, they should really get off after five years instead of ten years. Or life after ten years. Because if they can demonstrate that and they can demonstrate, look, I've never gotten in trouble again, haven't been rearrested, this person is disproving what the initial thought process was going in, that you have to be worried about violent offenders, that they should then be able to get off the registry early. And the last thing would definitely be a, a yearly report that would be put out um, showing, really, what, what is the efficiency of this program? How many people are registering who are mm-hmm. supposed to be registering? How many people are not? How many people are being, um, if if they're not registering when they're supposed to, are being given, or if it's outside the 72-hour r- window, are then being given extra time to the register. Or some people we've, we've even seen have been put back inside really, and gotten That's more right. time. Mm. And the, the, the issue with that is with, sex, with, with, with sexo, sexual offender registries, those are the only ones that have gone up to the Supreme Court so far. But even with those, the Supreme Court upheld them at the time because it was saying that people, as long as people weren't giving, given more jail time, mm-hmm. then it's, it's, it's civil. So that because of that, then it's not criminal in nature because they're not given more time, so then it's constitutional. But if we're seeing people getting more time based on not registering on time, that is completely contrary to what the, the Supreme Court has even found. So we're also then trying to say, you know, want to say, you know, th- there should be something that's put out as far as showing us the numbers. What's the efficiency of this program? Is it working? Because at this point, there's nothing really that's been put out that shows whether and how well it's working. It's been now for since 2012 that it's been a freestanding registry. Mm-hmm. So we're now in the sixth year. Is it is it even doing anything?
0: So yeah, we're gonna talk about that. Um, when we come when we come back, Radio Islam family, we're talking with uh, members of Iman, Aaron uh, Siebert yera staff attorney for Iman, and Mujahid Hamilton, an instructor for green, uh, Iman's green, green reentry program, and we're going to pick up our conversation when we come back in just a minute.
1: had stopped. Pedestrians were lying on sidewalks and curled up in doorways. There was no sign of violence, no wrecks, nothing like that. It was as if the people in New York had simply decided to stop whatever they were doing and pass out. Ice coated my stomach. The invasion has started. To find out what happens next, read Percy Jackson and the Olympians by Rick Riordan. Explore new worlds and check out more cool books at your local library. And visit read.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri, was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent, 1 in 260,000. The odds of him having 15 career NASCAR victories, 1 in 1.7 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism, 1 in 88. I'm Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council.
0: Radio Islam The nation's first daily live call and talk radio show Produced by Muslims for the mainstream market Radio Islam On the air since 2004 Because of your generosity Radio Islam salutes its most valuable asset You, our listener From our producers
1: to our interns We appreciate your support Thank you
2: Hola, my name is Esperanza. After a tragic incident, I was forced from a life of riches in Mexico to a life of poverty in the United States. My mother has become ill and we have become separated from our family. Now I must work for both of us to try to bring the rest of our family together. My name is Esperanza and I am trying to survive. Explore new worlds. Read my story in the novel Esperanza Rising by Pam Muñoz Ryan. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Art Council.
0: My name is Sue Smith. I'm 38 and I work at a graphic design company. And the teenage me would tell you,
2: I wouldn't be into drawing and art if it wasn't for Big Brothers Big Sisters. My Big sister showed me
1: early on that I could do anything. And to the young me, that meant a lot. My Big Sister's name is Sheila, and Sheila is the reason that this 8-year-old grows up to have an amazing job as a graphic designer.
0: Whether you donate money or time, you're helping Big Brothers Big Sisters help a child. Start something today at BigBrothersBigSisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brothers Big Sisters and the Ad Council. as May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome back to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq al I am joined in studio by Imans Aaron Seberg-Yera, who is a staff attorney, Mujahid Hamilton, who is an instructor for Imans Green, Green Reentry Program. And we are talking about uh, the path to restoration. Uh, it's a Senate Bill 3049 uh, sponsored by collins sams and lightford and uh when we left we were talking about the ef- efficacy of this registry and well first of all regarding this registry are there any studies is are, is there any data to back up that it is actually doing the public uh
1: a service currently no currently there's nothing i mean there's there's nothing that that's that's the problem. That's why we want that data, because there's nothing really showing whether or not it's even working. And and, and one of the things that we were just, just discussing when we were off air was, mm-hmm. you know, and one of the numbers I did find, this is and this is overall, but they say 45 percent of it, this is offenders in general, all offenders. So it's not just violent. Right. But of all offenders, within three years, return to, to prison. But the issue with a lot of that is that when you talk about recidivism rates, they don't always talk about they just will throw that number out there is 45 percent, which is just a study it was done but they won't tell you how many of those people were actually committing new crimes because the majority of the time you see people who are just it's violating probation it's not because they've committed a new crime but they'd like to throw the higher numbers out there to keep people scared to keep the the, the money flowing to to prisons and and you know, it, it's it's sad in a way. You know, I'm mean, not in a way. It's definitely sad when you look at also where a lot of the prisons are located, mm-hmm. and when it's a small town. Then, I mean, you know, my small town America. That's my mom lives blood. in a small town, in Wisconsin, and there's yeah. about just over four thousand people in the town my mom lives in. Mm-hmm. And these small towns downstate, yeah, it's, it's, like you said, lifeblood. If they didn't have that prison, people wouldn't have jobs. Yeah. So to them, keeping people in prison keeps them employed and keeps them keeps food on the table. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a horrible thing that you, to, to think you have to keep people in prison just for people to have a job. Uh-huh. We should be able to figure out something else. And, and that—that's a much deeper discussion. I mean, these towns have died because you've got, you know, obviously jobs yeah. going across, you know, go overseas and mm-hmm. get losing a lot of that industry. But well, uh, prison is—is—is is,
0: is America's homegrown uh, industry. Um, and if you look at the numbers from 1973 up till now. Uh, at that point, we had a little bit over 300,000 people incarcerated. Now we're over 2 million. We're 4% of the, the world's population, but we have the largest number of people incarcerated in the world, which in itself is, is just ridiculous. It's mind-boggling. Now, you mentioned the overall stat. You said 45%. But when yeah. we're off air, uh, Brother Majahid, you gave a different stat, which was more specific, uh, specifically dealing with violent uh, offenders. And please share that with the Radio Islam family.
2: Last 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 time I checked, so it might have changed since then. I want to make uh, get that caveat. But everybody like a success story. Mm-hmm. So what what you, what you should know is only seven percent of violent offenders re-offend, or, re, or, or uh, that's the recidivism rate for them. Right. So seven percent. Seven percent. So ninety three percent successfully complete and go on to live lives you know, as returning citizens. Hmm. Mm. Right. But my thing about, if I may, my thing about uh, uh, about the data collection of it. I mean, I never knew that there was nobody collecting the data. So how you you know, who's to say who's to say this thing even helps commit uh, or foil crimes? Like they said, that was the intention of it, right? To stop, to to be on top of stopping uh, these guys from committing again. Right. How do we know that? How many murders have it solved? right how many how many how many how many things, how many crimes have how many crimes have been prevented as a result of it right we don't have no way to tell this thing but yet it's continue to go on and on and and uh we're always talking about um saving money and and, and not waste night wasteful spending and we got this thing we get investing all this time and money and energy into it all these all these different departments the Chicago police the state's attorney department and the state police department and there's no need for it don't shouldn't we have some record of saying what it's doing to uh main to maintain it and to uh
0: validate it through its, its success hmm. and 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 still with that there is no central uh law enforcement agency no that is responsible no you have to de- so you're dealing with the state the the county
1: and well and the municipality you register with the local law enforcement so wherever you live. Okay. That's who you register with So if you're in the city of Chicago Chicago PD is who you have to then register with Right. They get their information from the Department of State Police Who gets their information from the state's attorney's office okay. so The state's attorney's office sends over the names Department of State Police then disseminates And sends those out to the local law enforcement But no centrality yeah, centrality Yeah, that, that's the issue Is that Department of State Police They're In many regards their hands are tied Because they don't have all the information that they need
0: but but you're also saying that the uh, state's attorney's office, that they are not required to give some extremely pertinent information in terms of ages, right? Which could have, I mean, which has a huge effect on a Absolutely. person's duration on that registry. And so yeah. is that something, is, is, is that going to be like a, a sideline uh, conversation uh, to have as far as, you know...
1: Yes, that that line, I, I did write that language into the bill as well. Oh, you did? Yeah, that that, that state okay. secretary's office shall... Uh, See, he does, everything. He does <laughs> everything. That they shall provide that to the Department of State Police. Because okay. one of the issues that, that definitely comes from that is that the mentality... As far as that's concerned, still comes from the sexual offender registry. Right. Because when you talk to anybody about that issue, they say, well, then you could figure out the age of the victim and which family member. But there's an assumption that it's a family member who was assaulted, which is more along the lines of a sexual offender, not a violent offender. Mm -hmm. But the logic behind the age was from the sexual offender was not putting the age down because then you'd be able to identify who the victim was. And obviously, you want to protect the victim when it comes to a sexual offense. Sure. But that then got parlayed into the violent offender registry as well. When, in most occasions, it has nothing to do with that, except for some you know cases where, because of the fact that it's a youth and does include things like domestic violence, there are cases of parents who who have struck a child, and if it's and that's obviously not condoning any kind of. Be, you know, behavior like that but because if that's happened if they've struck a child they can then be, end up put on the registry for life based off of the registry Wow! because that's a violent offense against a youth
2: a lot of things uh, one of the brothers is in the program one of the things he's going through is he was a youth when he offended and as a result they put him on the violence against youth registry as a youth he was the youth in the situation he was sixteen. Hold on, he was he was the victim? No, no, he wasn't the victim. He he uh committed as a youth and as oh, being and a youth
0: violence against youth. Wow. So there's I mean generally as mm, what what I'm kinda I'm thinking of is generally for for youth, but obviously that, that was, a mm-hmm. yeah, was a felony for him.
2: Yeah, was a felony okay. for him. But I'm saying
0: that... He was the youth,
2: but they put you know, right. his victim I was guess. an adult, and and then also something to consider is like the the stigma of when you hear violence against youth, right? Right. You think of of of, of something against a child mm-hmm. or, or something of that matters, but uh, a lot of times what's going on is young gangbangers against young gangbangers.
0: Yeah.
2: Right. And I'm not again. I'm not condoning this. I'm just saying how that's the reality of it, and there was nothing uh, a predatory. Uh, uh, on a kid per se, right? These just two two groups of young men doing something and somebody caught, you know what I mean, uh, a crime out of, out of the result of it, and they then put on the Violence Against Youth Registry. Right. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And the connotation is I've done something demonic, uh, for lack of a better word, to a child, right? Right. And it's important that we, make, that we have that discussion too and ha- and make that distinction because you hear Violence Against Youth, you think, oh, he did something to a kid. Right, but not not understanding the circumstances surrounding that. Hold on, just because I may have been sixteen, I'm on the violence against youth registry, or me and another sixteen-year-old getting into it and something happened, and this is the reality. Right? Again, I'm not condoning this. I'm just saying the reality of it is that it's not. Um,
0: it's not individualized.
2: It's it's not individualized, right? It's just I I heard it's it's the 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 uh, the stigma of hurting a kid, and that's it.
0: Yeah I think that's that's a huge thing uh c- especially considering that we are I think more than ever we are we're kind of embedded in this dog whistle politics uh mm-hmm. where we we're listening for particular uh phrases and uh and, and people are responding to things you know get tough b- being tough on crime right. you know um when that really for a lot of people that translates to uh lock up uh communities of color lock up these uh, these offenders, uh, in particular, and give them extremely harsh sentences. Uh, but this also does another thing, and that is, it creates this a, a division. Well, I mean, I think we've we've already sta- stated this, but it creates a division between the community and these uh, returning citizens. Uh, it creates um, there's a fear, an unnecessary fear that's created, and to to just to kind of go off of your point, uh, Brother Mujahid it's a one size fits all there's no there's nothing that says that they are taking into account any of the individual uh circumstances surrounding any you know any any event it's just a blanket uh a blanket treatment so that's um that that's problematic
1: in itself uh when is the next time y'all going down to uh springfield uh probably not until april because this, this whole month really, the House meets this week, the Senate meets next week, but primaries are the week after that, which means Springfield's pretty much going to be empty uh, next right. week and, and probably this week as well. So in April, will go down pretty much every week for April and May.
0: Will you all be down for
1: um, Illinois Muslim, Muslim Action Day? We'll most likely be down there at the same time. Okay. <laughs> Not right. specifically as part of that, but we'll probably be down there because we go down usually every Tuesday at least. Right. Sometimes we'll be staying in, into Wednesday.
0: Okay. All right. And the sponsors are Collins, uh, Senator Collins, uh, Sims, and Lightford. Yes. Okay. Uh, from from what you see right now, what type of I mean, these are the sponsoring um, legislators, but what type of response uh, do you feel like you're getting, you know, overall?
1: As far as the first issue that we're trying to fix, as far as just allowing people to get any kind of erroneous information fixed. Mm-hmm. There's been nobody who stood in the way of that. Okay. If that's all we were trying to do, it'd be a simple pass. We'd, okay. we'd get that passed tomorrow. The issue that we see is, is this petition for early removal is the main thing that people are standing in the way of and think will be an issue because people look at partly as being more work. Um, and also the issue that we, we see that comes out of it is people look at it as being soft on crime.
0: Soft on crime. Soft on, on, on a person who has already served time uh, and, and is out now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the, the hilarity of it. Man. Well, the, the system, we, it, it's set up against people. When people come out, they're told, start your life again, get a job, get educated. Okay, well, you can't get federal loans. Mm-hmm. If you're having trouble finding a place, you can't get federal housing. You can't get federal assistance, which I guess soon will be a box of food that they drop off at your house. Right. <laughs> but you can't get any of those things. And yet then you still tell somebody, okay, start your life fresh. And mo- a lot of times when you're inside, you're not given a lot of times skills that, that you're going to be able to then take with you outside. You're not, there's not enough readily available programs to prepare people for when they come back out. Yet we tell people, all right, your, your time's done. Go back into society. You know, when when you look at different countries, you know, I know it got famous about a year year and a half ago when all these videos started coming out and people were putting them on Facebook about Norway and their their system and, and their prison system. And people were watching these videos like, oh my God, look at that open air prisons. They have a recording studio. They have they learn how to be chefs and they have knives in the kitchen. But the, the thing that stood out for me is when they interviewed the uh, the warden of that prison. Actually, no, he might have been, I think, the, the director of all prisons in Norway. And his point was they don't have any life sentences in Norway. They don't have death sentences. I, I believe the maximum term is like 25, 27 years. Granted, you run into problems like with some like Yusuf or uh, what's his name, Yunus uh, Brevik, yeah. the guy who killed like 80-some children. The mm-hmm. problem was the only they could only give him that maximum, which was like 25, 27 years. A lot of people believe he probably you know, did that with, the, with the, the knowledge that, hey, they can't give him more than 25, 27 years. Right. That's an extreme case. Hmm. The point that this director made was, all these people are going to be returning to our society. Do we want them to return so they're angry and they're, they're upset at the, at the government and the system, or come back and they can be contributing members of society, and that they have something to, to provide? And as we see and I see in a daily basis, they can provide and they do provide. We have a lot of people involved with us, besides this mujahid, who are who are doing great things, and this is being. Able, we need to give people that ability to do that and to really start their life again, and because really it is they're having to really kind of restart their life in that sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Brother Mujahid, you work with um, with would you say primarily young men who are returning citizens, or what, what's uh, the age? What's, what's the of, age range? Most
2: of the um, returning citizens are. 25 and above I think okay and the at-risk are you know, up, as, uh, up to age
0: 25 All right what is the uh, what what's the sentiment is, is there a shared sentiment as far as the registry is concerned um, and do they feel like this is gonna this is gonna hinder their ability to use what they're getting uh, within the reentry program well Within
2: the, the reentry program is looked at as a godsend by most of the participants. To be honest with you, um, it's amazing to see uh, people when they first came into the program and kind of have like this. Uh, everybody, I'm you know, just trying to beat you. Right. You know what I mean? They just these guys just getting money. They ain't on, on anything but to see the the uh, the sense of community and brotherhood, and that everybody actually cares about what's going on. We don't want nothing from you but your success. Mm-hmm. That's it, right? That's, that's coming from IED, Rami, all the way down, you know what I mean, to, to the TAs, right? Yeah. Everybody's committed to making sure that you can succeed. You know what I mean? And we're going to go to bat for you. If you're going, going through the program doing what you're supposed to do, we're going to go to bat for you. Even if you might make a mistake, we still a lot of times go to bat for you, right? You know what I mean? Try to get you up out that jam and, and take responsibility for your uh, success because if one fail, all fail. That's our mentality, one chain, one link, right? That's right. And so that's the thing. The brothers that's on on the registry, um, they're kind of they hopeful, pessimistically hopeful, but ho- hopeful nonetheless that, uh something's gonna get done and, and justice is gonna be really served. Um because it's unfair. I know I know I know that sounds crazy, but it's unfair because you get you do your time, the judge sentenced you to one thing, right? You tack on three years of, of mandatory supervised release. Then on top of that you got some more stuff. After that, right? Right. Which when like the brother uh I don't uh mention when 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 does the, the path of healing begin? Right. Right? and, and then at any any turn, any given any given thing, any given thing, I can technically I can jaywalk, get arrested for jaywalking. That's a violation of the provision in the in the current bill and I you know what I mean, possibly my ten years starts over, even if it was ten years, eleven months and twenty nine days. Mm-hmm. My ten years starts over. I don't think we talked about that, right? But these are the things. These are the things we're facing, right? You know what I mean. And so, um, the brothers are, are hopefully are pessimistically hopeful, maybe because they don't—they're not necessarily fans of the way the system works. You know what I mean, for whatever reason. But they are pessimistically hopeful that um, that Iman's going to come through like they always do for him.
0: Inshallah. Inshallah. With God's permission and God's Amen. will. Um, I, I just want to push back and say that no, what you said. Uh, you preface it, this might sound like, like crazy, but no, it doesn't. Mm. Um, I think anybody who is aware of the history mm. uh, understands why brothers are pessimistically hopeful mm-hmm. because the history has played out in ways where, um, where we have not been the beneficiaries of, of justice. Absolutely. So this work uh, that, that Mann is doing right now, trying to right this, this, this wrong right now, uh, to make it a little bit more fair, right? Uh, and inshallah, you know, as time moves on, uh, eradicate it altogether. Uh, it's important and, and it's needed, and it's rooted in a in a sense of knowing what's been done before. Radio Islam family, I'm gonna give you a little bit of reading homework if you have not already. If you're not aware of it's, a, it's two books, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you. Uh, first is Slavery by Another Name, uh, and that is by Douglas A. Blackman there's also a documentary of the same name uh, and it chronicles the, uh, the, the plight of, uh, of, of black people in particular from Reconstruction, the implementation of the, uh, the black codes and Jim Crow and how when slavery subsided, how institutional uh, forces came into play to incarcerate or take control of black bodies. So that's the first book. It's uh, Slavery by another name. The next is The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander. And these are two books that are give you a really uh that'll give you a solid grounding in, uh, in, in in being able to understand our current level of incarceration, uh, and how that it is something that has been allowed to to grow and uh, like I said, it's America's homegrown uh industry. Uh and not by accident. So, the work that you all are doing uh, is extre- is extremely important. Uh, let me let me ask this: What can the Radio Slime family do to support uh, the work, uh, and particularly with this with this uh, in passage of this bill? Uh, what, what what can Radio Slime family do?
1: Many things. Um, we are pushing this right now through the Senate. Contact your senator. Contact your state senator. When this gets, as far as a hearing, it's now in the criminal law, um, so it's in the... There's different committees for each law. We got assigned to the criminal law committee uh, just last week. Mm-hmm. So when that comes up for a hearing, you can you can submit what are called witness slips. So you go online, and then right there under SB 3049, from there it'll actually say witness slips. You click on that, and that's just to put your name down and say you're in support or against. Hopefully you're going to be put it in support of what we're trying to do here and you file the witness slip that way when it comes up for the hearing the senators who are in the committee they see how many witness slips have been submitted and the more you get in the better because what it does then is it shows them hey there's people who support this bill meaning there's people who are voters in this state who are in support of this so that's the first step you know contact senders and also submit witness slips and then once it gets to the house as well which would be in Shala by by april at some point mm-hmm. same thing over there contact your, your representatives submit witness slips and we can let people know as it proceeds and if you pay attention to us on on uh, twitter or on facebook we are each time we go down to springfield updating people with what's happening mm-hmm. um, people can from that see all right now it's time to do it but that that really does help us those witness slips are very important
0: tell uh tell whoever your social media uh director is include us uh on those tweets when those go out so you know we can multiply uh the the audience and multiply that information uh the recipients of that, that information uh, that's going to be extremely important definitely so yeah we're at radio islam usa so um any 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 closing um thoughts uh as far as the future of the, of the program uh the the, the brothers that are involved Is it all brothers right now? It's all brothers
2: right now We're working on adding a female component But we just got to figure out the uh, logistics of it Sure Right Yeah. But that's something we're hoping to do um, We're hoping to uh, bring in another 25 members Within the next couple of months um, Adding plumbing in the next year or two And we hope Hopefully in the next uh, two to three weeks Opening up uh, another uh, residential home The Stephen Ward House in the memory so. of uh, one of the brothers we lost you know, during the course of uh, the year.
0: Inshallah. 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 Uh, any, any closing uh, thoughts at all? Uh, am I putting you back on it? The-
1: <laughs> <laughs> I guess I mean, it's just kind of reiterating what we just said. It's just, if yeah. people can get involved, it would be appreciated. We would definitely need that support. Okay. Um, and if there's anybody out there who listens who, who's a law student or a lawyer, we could always use that support as well um, if you want to volunteer your time.
0: Okay. All right. I appreciate both of you brothers being here. Thank you for having uh, us. Thank and you. the work that you all are doing. Uh, pray Allah continue to bless you in that. Uh, increase your capacity uh, and, and give you the best outcome. Right? Amen. One chain, one link. So Amen. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, Radio Sound Family, we want to remind you about Sound Vision's annual fundraiser coming up on March 17th at Lazette Banquets. Uh, banquet Hall in Streamwood, Illinois. You can go to www.soundvision.com to purchase the tickets. Uh, we will be interviewing uh, the first hijabi um, journalist, uh, on air journalist, Tahira Ahmed. Rahmat. Why did I say? Oh, I know why I said Ahmed, because that's, yeah, so Tahira Rahman. Yes, so we will be, um, uh, matter of fact, we'll be uh, uh, giving her, presenting her with an award. Uh, there's there, there's going to just be a lot of uh, uh, great things going on tonight. And we're looking for your support to continue, continue doing the work that we're doing, uh, being, the, uh, being a voice to, to try to make sure that uh, we are representing perspectives that are not going to be shared uh, and not going to be covered uh, a lot of times in other uh, media outlets other than as a special interest piece uh, once in a while. We do this every single day. So uh, we're asking for your support. Uh, Radio Slime is a Sound Vision production. So uh, we thank you for joining us this evening. Uh, we pray for your continued success and well-being. Uh, remember, you can listen to this episode and all of our episodes wherever you get your podcast, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, or TuneIn. Look for us at Radio Slime USA. All right, Radio Slime family, it's time to get that outro going. We want to go ahead and thank our engineer over at WCEV, Ramon. Thank you very much, sir. We want to thank our engineer, assistant producer, in-studio, the impressive one, Ibrahim Baig. I am your host, Tariq Alameen, uh, and producer. And uh, our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. I think I've run out of stuff to say. So I'm going to leave you as I greeted you. Inshallah, we will see you again tomorrow at the same time. Asalamu Alaikum May the peace that only God can give be upon you.
1: I think I did both of them.